He said, Mom, what if I fall? And I said, yes, but Sam, what if you fly? What if you can do that and so much more? Because what I've learned about this child that God has given me is that every turn, he is constantly surprising us. Well, hello, welcome to the Midlife Moms Podcast. My name's Amelia Rhodes, one of your hosts, and I'm so excited to be back with you. We've had a little bit of a break as Brenda and I have just had a lot of life happening, as you all understand how midlife goes. But today I have a special guest joining me, a friend of mine I met years ago at a writer's conference, and we've stayed connected on social media, and she is a recent listener of the podcast And from what I can hear, has just been devouring them and enjoying the conversations. And she brought up a topic that we wanted to discuss today that we had not talked about yet. So please join me in welcoming our guest, Sarah Brody. Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Amelia. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for offering. So this is fantastic. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, And before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself and give a little overview of your family and how you fit in this midlife phase that we're all in? Sure. Uh, So my name is Sarah Brody, and I've been married to my husband, Kyle, for 20 years. And we have three children. They are 19, 17, and 15. And our 17-year-old, his name is Sam, was diagnosed with autism when he was two. So I am a special needs parent. Um, I am a writer, blogger, podcaster, speaker, um, kind of general advocate (laughs) for needs. And um, I guess now I also fit into this criteria known as a midlife mom. And uh, I'm also the lead patient coordinator at the therapy clinic where I work, Associates in Pediatric Therapy. I've been there for three years, uh, and I work with our patient coordinators there as well. So, well, yeah. Sarah, one welcome to midlife. Thank it's you. a it's a pretty good club to be part of. I guess it's I guess it's good to be here. <laughs> that's been that's been part of our mission, you know, to help help us accept it, embrace it. I know you've listened to some of the early podcasts from the first season of like, we actually really enjoy it and embrace all the things that happen in midlife. And as you were, absolutely, as you were going through your list of things that you're involved with in your family, I was tired just listening to you. (laughs) So that's part of midlife. Yeah, it is. It kind of doesn't feel like it in the moment. And then when you look back and you're like, wow, I, that's a lot of things that I do, you know? So when you actually yeah. list it all out on paper, if you ever right. do that, it's like, whoa, okay, I do have a lot going on. But that yeah. also is part of midlife. You know, you mm-hmm. have your own things going on, your own work and vocation and all the things for your kids yet, and then potentially things for your parents and other family members. And it's it's a lot. So that's one reason we're happy to have this community and podcast where we can encourage each other. Well, thanks for being part of the community. And thanks for bringing up this topic too. You had reached out and asked if we had ever considered talking about launching kids with special needs. And you um, brought this up and we were like, we hadn't done a podcast on that yet. So we were super excited to bring you on as I know that you have a senior and you launching this senior looks a little bit different than your previous senior. And Brenda does talk about this a little bit. I think there's in the appendix part of the book, she talks about this briefly in her book, Fledge, Launching Your Kids Without Losing Your Mind. But we really wanted to bring you on and hear a little bit of your journey and your story, how things look different. We know that every parent's journey is different, but I believe there are things that will be encouraging for parents who are in a similar stage of life as you who have kids that are launching and looks a little bit different as well. So why don't you start by giving us a little bit of history of what you've been through with Sam. I know God has done some pretty incredible things as well. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. He has. Um, well, let me first start off by saying that um, this is our kind of our second go round with launching. So um, our first son, Benjamin, he graduated last year and we launched him into college this past fall. And he is at uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston uh, studying music and film scoring and who knows what else might come down the pike with that. So um, he is there. So I've already kind of been down the road of launching one and all the feelings and emotions and it was it was pretty rough I'm not gonna lie um and so with Sam I've kind of just always felt like oh no if it was that bad with my first one it's gonna be like a thousand times worse with Sam because of everything that we've been through Mm -hmm. um and so what does that look like for us um when he was born uh he had kind of a well, actually, he didn't have a t- typical birth. He uh, he was breech, early labor. He was an emergency C-section, um, but he he was perfectly healthy, um, and um, he was diagnosed with autism at age two. So, mm-hmm. um, and at the time, he was on the border of severe autism. They had this little chart, and he was on the border of moderate to severe. Um, he was functionally nonverbal, meaning he could speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scripted movie lines. That was kind of how he uh, stemmed, as as we call it. He didn't flap his hands and rock his body or those kinds of things. He he had different ways of coping, um, but scripting was one of those. So he repeated movie lines and acted them out. So he was verbal, but he was not functionally verbal in that he could not tell me what he needed or what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had lots of words that he could say. He just wasn't able to use them in a functional way. Um, he was also at the time self-injurious, which means uh, for him specifically, he would bang his head repeatedly against the floor, the door, his own hand, mm-hmm. anything he could. It just um, things would become too overwhelming for him. And so to cope with that, he uh, began to to injure himself. Having a child like that, we asked ourselves a lot of questions at the mm-hmm. time, and we didn't know what life was going to hold for him. We didn't know how he would be able to progress, if he would be able to progress. We, we just didn't know. And the stories at the time, this was in early 2000s. He was born in 2005, diagnosed 2007. Um, so there was um, a little bit more coming out about autism. Uh, you saw more numbers. I think at the time it was one in 99. Now it's one in 46, mm-hmm. um, somewhere in there. So I didn't really know a lot about autism. And um when I started doing research, it was kind of scary to see what our prognosis could look like. And the fact of the matter is you just don't know. Um, You meet one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. It's going to affect everybody in different ways. Sam had speech, occupational, physical therapy. He did have ABA therapy, which controversial. Um, Now it wasn't really at the time, but it is now. Um, But he had, I guess the best way to to say that if anybody's listening is um, it was, I guess, the good kind. We had really excellent therapists, so uh-huh. uh, they weren't trying to um, to normalize him in a way. Um, they were trying to help him to be functional in his communication and this is in his behavior. So therapy just resonated with him. I don't know any other way to say it other than it was just God's grace that allowed him to progress to where he is now. And what that looks like for him now is a 17-year-old senior in high school who has been mainstreamed in school mm-hmm. and has had the necessary supports that um, 
he needed throughout his school. We've been very fortunate for the most part to have excellent school systems. For a while we didn't and I pulled him out and I've homeschooled him. So that was necessary for a while. And uh, he's very verbal, fully verbal. And uh, he's able to tell me exactly what he needs. Sometimes I wish he wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes like, oh, I remember the days that I prayed for the things that I have now. And I have to remember that sometimes, you know, but uh, good thing to remember. I say that with a smile on my face. I love him. But, um, you know, he's he's in in many respects, he's a typical teenager Mm -hmm. Uh, in a lot of other ways. There's just a lot of extra things that are unique and that are different about him that we have to take into consideration for him. So um, he still has on occasion, they're much less frequent now, but he'll have meltdowns where he just, he just can't communicate properly or he gets upset. He doesn't quite know how to handle it. And so there's some, some big emotions that go with that. And those come out in um, not so appropriate ways sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so those are still things that we those are still things that we address and deal with um, more or less on a regular basis. Again, much less frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really proud of his self-awareness. Um, he's, he's just, he's come, he's come so, so far. And so when he was two, three, six, seven, and we're asking questions like, is he going to be able to go to school? Is he going to, is he going to go to college? Will he live with us forever? What is this going to look like for him? And throughout his whole life, we've just kind of taken the approach of baby steps. We can only take it one day at a time, just like we do with our other children and with anybody else. It's just one day at a time. You don't know what the future holds. So you're just going to take today and do with it what you can and Mm -hmm. move forward in that. And now he is uh, he's officially made the decision to go to college. Um, So he has applied to uh, he wants to be a cinematographer. Uh, which, which I think is so phenomenal, just knowing his beginnings of the movie line scripts, like yes. what, how incredible. Yes, absolutely. And he wrote um, his college essays based on that very fact that having autism and having a love for movies at such an early age and having an incredible memory, he can memorize, I mean, he's memorized entire scripts, like the entire movie line for line. He knows he's and he's one of his favorites is the Emperor's New Groove. And he's written out the entire script verbatim of the Emperor's New Groove with like multiple times. He's handwritten it, he's typed it out. It's just kind of like a well, I don't know what else to do. I guess I'll just write out the Emperor's New Groove again. <laughs> so his memory so is just phenomenal. Yeah. And I remember thinking when he was really little and he cars, we lived in the age of cars, Disney's Pixar's cars for like 10 years, it felt like. Um that he he would just script those lines over and over and over again and had his little Lightning McQueen and his little character cars that we would buy from Target. And I remember thinking, Lord, if you don't do something with this, I don't really see much purpose in what's happening mm. right now. <laughs> and I say that kind of as a joke, but truly I thought what, I, I don't understand the functional purpose of this. And I didn't see any purpose in it at the time. And not that everything has to have that kind of full circle Thing, but I just remember thinking, I wonder if maybe this might go somewhere for him one day. Maybe he can use his love for movies in mm-hmm. some functional way as an adult. And here we are. He wants to study cinematography. He wants to make movies. He wants to tell stories. Um, he started out with photography uh, several years ago. He was trying to figure out, mom, how do I, I don't know, like, how do I become a producer? How would I be a cinematographer? 
And I said, I have absolutely no idea. And he couldn't quite pin it down on Google. And so he was kind of just like give it up on the whole thing. And I, so I just said, well, I feel like in order to understand movies, you would have to understand basics of photography, right? Like the rule of thirds and lighting and all of those kinds of things. So I encouraged him to just start taking pictures with his phone. And uh, he kind of went from there. And then I bought him just a, uh, an old used you know, digital camera that he could start playing around with. And uh, now he has a very nice camera that his grandparents have bought for him. And he is a phenomenal photographer. I mean, I know I'm biased, but other people who see his work say that he really just has an incredible eye. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that, I think that God has used that in a way. And I really believe that he's kind of redeemed that yeah. in this way. Yeah. You know. And a gift that you can be able to see that, you know, in this mm-hmm. stage. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you a question kind of back up because you his early years there was a you were very invested. You're still very invested, but a lot of hands on work and pulling him out and schooling him, and you've been this advocate for him. And I know that that has slowly shifted where he has been able to take some responsibility and advocate for himself. And now as he's getting ready to consider college and what's next, how has that been as you begin to let go and he fledges a little like that transition from being the one and the advocate right. to allowing him to do more and knowing he will. Cause that's a process for all of us as parents, yes. but I imagine it's even a little more pronounced for you at this stage. Yes, it is. I've been in control of his entire life. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. Obviously, you know, <laughs> um, I've been in control of everything I've, I've prepared him as best I could when he was younger, we had um, little visual schedules in a Velcro notebook. And, you know, first we're going to go to this store, then we're going to go to McDonald's, then we're going to do this. And I, I prepared him ahead of time. This is what we're going to be doing. And if we were going to be going somewhere like to a friend's house or to church or uh, to family's house, I would kind of let them know ahead of time, like how things are going. So they kind of knew the sense of like kind of understood the mood and kind of where we were just so they were prepared. I've prepared him and I've prepared the outside world for him. Right. And he's about to go into a world that I have not yet been able to adequately prepare for him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I wonder, have I adequately prepared him for the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like I've been doing just the best that I can. I, I think I've done a pretty good job of that, but there's, you know, I, it's, there's just so much, there's so much out there. And so I've tried, especially in these last uh, year or last year or two, really, whenever we're having those kind of arguments and he's, you know, claiming independence and trying to be an adult, even though he's not an adult and treating me like a peer rather than a parent. And we're having discussions about respect and boundaries. And I'm telling him things like, you are going to have a boss one day. You're going to have a professor who does not care that you were sick or that you slipped in or that you accidentally were late or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you cannot speak to them this way. And I'm trying to prepare him ahead of time. And he would get so aggravated. He said, mom, not everything has to be a life lesson. Like, actually, it really does. It It really does because I need to know. I need to know that you're going to be okay. And and so I've, I've tried very hard, it, you know, it's interesting. I've been thinking about this recently when Benjamin, my oldest was going to college, I was very involved in the application process and like looking over shoulder, we're sitting next to each other. A lot of times I was the one on the computer 
doing things and researching things. And he's kind of like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. And kind of moving forward. And he still had to be the one to do it. But I had, I was very involved with that. And with Sam, I feel like maybe I'm I'm trying so hard to, to make sure that he's going to be okay on his own, that maybe I've, I've, I've given far more independence then maybe I should. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. He's yeah. but he's had to take a lot of responsibility. I've put a lot on his shoulders, like just because it's just not the same as telling mm-hmm. Benjamin, hey, you need to make sure you fill this out or you need to look into this with him. I'm trying to get him to learn that you have to take initiative and you have to do these things. And so I've been putting as much as I can on his plate. Um, we have a shared note with all these scholarship links mm-hmm. and I've told him, yeah, I, and and I went ahead, I, do, I did the research, I found some of the scholarship links, he's found a couple, you know, put them on there, we have the deadline, you know, dates on there. Um, and I've told him, okay, you need to go to those links and figure out what's needed. And then you need to do it. And if you mm-hmm. need my help, you can come to me, rather than, okay, Sam, we need this essay, we need this, we need this, you know, I've been making him do more of it. So it's actually been really strange that I thought I was going to be even more involved with Sam and I haven't been. And I don't, I don't, maybe that's just kind of a natural way of parting. You know, I don't, I don't don't know, but, um, but it has been, it has been interesting. Um, So the college he's going to be going to is Columbia college, Chicago. He was accepted to Columbia and Emerson in Boston and SCAD Savannah college of art and design. And he applied to NYU, but, did not get in there. So um, he's decided to go to Columbia College, Chicago. And we had a meeting with um, an academic coach or life coach. Um, I don't remember her title the other mm-hmm. day. And Sam was on the Zoom call with me and he was kind of zoning out a little bit. And I was just, you know, really focused and asking some questions because I have my own questions as a parent, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she helps students who have disabilities with various things like goal orientation and staying on task and time management, you know, those kinds of things. And then she just kind of popped out and said, oh, and also autonomy. We really want to enable the students to have their own autonomy because Sam's going to have to be, you know, asking for things and advocating for himself. So Sam, are there any questions that you have? (laughs) And I just felt like, oh my goodness, you know, like, Okay, that was a little bit of a a shocker, you know, kind of like right in my face because I thought I'd been preparing him and then he's just kind of, you know, and he'd been asking some questions, but it was just kind of a in your face, like back off, back off, mom. Yeah, not your turn anymore. <laughs> not your I was, turn. I visited quite a few colleges with my daughter, who's also a senior and getting ready yes. to go. And in all the sessions and questions, you know, that came up several times where the admissions and financial aid and the different departments would be talking about, you know, you know, students coming in who had IEPs and just making it so clear that now the student has to own that, that they have to advocate for themselves and they have to request what they need and that they're struggling and just making that so clear. So it's just neat to see how you've been, you know, you've been training him for that too, to I've been take his to. ownership yeah. of his own things. Yeah. In, in high school, he has an IEP and he has people that he works with. And they've been telling me just how great of an advocate he is for himself. And when he's in class, he's raising his hand and he's saying, I need to go to uh, the other room or I, you know, I need extra time. He's not shy about asking or even just 
demanding saying what it is that he needs. So he's he's done he's done a really good job of that um, in school. So I don't have any doubt that he'll be able to carry that through um, in college. I think it might be a little bit more intimidating though, uh, mm-hmm. with college professors and and peers uh, of varying degrees in their semesters and whatnot. So I'm hoping to at least provide him with like, okay, here are the things that they are able to provide for you. Here's what you can ask for. And anything Mm -hmm. beyond that, you can still ask and figure that out. But he seems to do a pretty good job so far, just saying what he needs. He's not shy about that. He's not, he's an extrovert. He's very social he's very kind of outside of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's going to help him um, rather than, you know, kind of closing into a shell when he gets yeah. to college. I think he'll be, I, I hope, I, you know, I hope he'll be able to. <laughs> we all hope, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So many unknowns. It's just so many unknowns, no matter, you know, where what our kids have been through. Um, and this is the act of releasing them to the Lord's hands. Knowing that we have done our part, we've done what we can, we've tried to be faithful, we continue to pray, and we release them to him, knowing that they have to turn to him, just like they have to advocate for themselves, they also have to turn to him on their own yes. for help, the one who will never leave them or forsake them. Yeah. Um, so know that each, you know, each student and each parent's journey is unique and no one situation, you know, speaks to all of them, but what encouragement would you offer for parents who are getting ready to launch students who've had a journey that's not been typical like yours? Yeah. I think it's important to recognize just the hard that you have been through. Mm -hmm. You've been through, you've been through a lot, you know, whether it's medical or, um, or otherwise neurodevelopmental, like autism is for Sam. Um, When you have raised a child with extra high support needs. Um, somebody who's just needed a lot more support than than typically uh, developing children um, with therapy and IEPs and all of those kinds of things. Um, it can be really hard to envision them being able to do something on their own. And I remember when we were discussing college, just kind of in general, and he had people telling him, you know, well, people with autism do better when they stay close to home, when they go to college. And, and I'm like, that's not, that's not necessarily true for every single person. And I was just so against the idea of putting him in this box that said, well, you have autism. So this Mm -hmm. is how it has to look for you. You can't, you can't do this essentially. Mm -hmm. And there are others who said, well, it's not that he can't, but but maybe just not yet. Maybe he's just going to need some more time. And I, I understood, I understood that. And we we've talked through a lot of those things together, he and I, and he really wanted to be able to do this. And Mm -hmm. I believe that he can do this now. Um, I think I, I really, I really think, I really think that he can. And I'm like, and I was just like, Sam, don't just don't, I didn't want him to put parameters on his own life. Like, listen to the wisdom of others, listen to the, um, the guidance and the wisdom and the opinions that are coming in, and then weigh them against what you know of yourself, and what you think you can do and what you want to be able to do and kind of go from there and, and make that decision. Right. And he was kind of emotional. He's like, but 
and, well, and it was funny because I kind of just discovered midlife moms and fledge and all of that. So I was <laughs> describing to him, do you know what it's like? I said, do you know what it means to fledge? And so I'm, ex- I'm explaining how a mother bird is preparing to get her kids out of out of the nest and they they push them out. Mm-hmm. And they they fall and eventually they learn, oh, I have wings and I can use them. Mm. And he said, Bob, what if I fall? And I know this sounds like super cliche and kind of ridiculous, but we actually did have this conversation in real life. Um, he said, Mom, what if I fall? And I said, yes, but Sam, what if you fly? <gasps> and I know that's like super pie in the sky optimistic, you know, but what if what if you can do that and so much more? Because yeah. what I've learned about this child that God has given me is that every turn, he is constantly surprising us mm-hmm. all the time. And he, he's, for example, he's never sung. He doesn't sing. Um, when we go to church, he doesn't sing. He doesn't like I don't know. I really don't know why he just doesn't like singing uh-huh. in, in general, I guess. Um, it's not that until the last couple of years that he really started just listening to music on a regular basis on his phone. Uh, before that, he just didn't listen to music. Just not he, everybody else in our family is musical except for him. He's been the cross country runner and the photographer. So slightly artistic, but not in the same way. And two years ago, uh, last school year, he said, I think I want to go out for the musical at school. And our family is very heavily involved in theater. And his brother was in theater. Both of his brothers have been in theater. And um, I think he just got tired of them listen- of listening to them talk about it. And his dad is the choir teacher at school and also is involved in theater as the musical director. And he said, I want to go out for the spring musical, which was Oklahoma. And I don't know if it, you know much about Oh, it's Oklahoma. a great one. Yeah, but, right. Uh, kind of a love triangle. You know, you've got you've got the girl, you've got the guy and then you've got the other guy who wants the girl. But we don't like that guy. And um, that's the part that he got. And his name is Jed Fry. <laughs> and he said, I want to go out for a musical. And I said, you do realize that you have to sing, you have to dance and you have to act. And I, I knew acting wasn't going to be a problem because of his scripting his whole mm-hmm. life. He's He's been preparing for this his whole life, right? Memorizing lines and acting them out. Not a problem for him. The singing and the dancing, that was a little more concerning. So he goes out for the musical. He lands the part of Judd Fry, which I was like, are you kidding me? Really? And Kyle told me he was like, he, like he blew his audition away. He said he, he, he can sing. Like he can <laughs> he, really, he can't. Cause I've never heard him sing as not other than like a little child, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there in the audience, listening to him sing. And he's got this whole song that he sings a whole solo by himself uh, about his situation in the, um, it's called the lonely room. And he sings this song. And I was just, I mean, it just tears just streaming down my face, listening to him sing. I, I was just, this is not something I would have ever thought. Oh yeah, yeah he can totally do that. I just, you know, he and just- back he when su- he was two, three years old, you never no, would have imagined. No, he surprised, he just surprises, even with his photography uh, and the photos that he takes, they're just, they're just really incredible. And I mean, like when he takes a photo, um, the symmetry is just so perfect. And he met with a- um, actually a photography professor of our community college as a mentor. And he was showing him one of his photographs of um, the architecture of the bridge that we live nearby. And 
the mentor asked him, Sam, did you, did you edit this photo? And he's like, what do you mean? He said, well, did you crop it and kind of make it look as symmetrical as it is? And he said, no. He's like, this is the original file. He said, yeah, I haven't done anything to it. And he's like, this is perfectly symmetrical. How did you do this? He said, I can't get my students who have been with me for four years to be able to view and see and take a photo like this. And it's just natural for him. There's just giftings there that you never would have imagined. I never could have, I never could have thought. And so I just, I just keep thinking, I don't know what's going to happen with this kid. I don't know where cinematography is going to take him. There's so many avenues it could take him down. You know, I don't know if he'll end up in Hollywood. Part of me is like, Oh, maybe not Hollywood. I don't know about that, but (laughs) I, I, I feel like there's, there's just something there and that he has a way that it's going to be used. And I think that it's really going to surprise us all when he does it. Yeah. I love that, you know, the two keys that you really gave is, you know, recognize the hard that you've been through, Mm -hmm. but don't box your kid in. And then also that third one really is just be prepared to be surprised. Yeah. We, we just don't know even as parents, what all God has in store for them and what he might do in the story he's going to write for their lives. So Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story and Sam's story. And we'll be excited to hear as you enter this journey, you know, what God does in the coming years, even in Sam's life. Um, Yeah. I'm excited too. (laughs) Yeah. Any parting words for our community? And um, as we head out, just as you think of graduation coming up and senior year and all the mamas who are getting ready to fledge. All of those things, whether it's the first time or the last time or the second time or the fifth time, just enjoy every moment as much as you can, even those hard moments. Um, I think it's important to just kind of to try to live in the moment as much as possible and, and, you know, take all the photos that you can, but just relish those moments and looking back, you'll be able to say, you know, yep, the nights are long and the years are short, but I was there for all of it. Yeah. I was present. I love that. What a great word to part on. Thanks again for sharing with us, Sarah. And If you're not part of our Facebook community, we would love to have you join us there. We've got the Midlife Mom podcasting community on Facebook. Sarah's in there. You could pop in and say hello when you hear this podcast and ask her a question or have a conversation. We would love to continue the conversation there with you all. So thanks again, Sarah. And we will see you all soon. Thanks for joining us. And we look forward to chatting in the Facebook group. Thank you, friends. Mm